Hi, this is Lee Lockman with the group Chicago, and you're listening to the Rock Solid Podcast. to be this is small town music this is big town music he's ahead of his time you know but he can't use it if only he could prove it well tomorrow's just a song away a song away a song away hey everybody welcome to rock solid the comedy podcast for all things music both new and classic i'm pat francis and joining me in the zoom room today we've got a rock and roll hall of fame inductee He's a founding and current member of the band Chicago. Please welcome Lee Lochnane. Lee, how are you doing? I'm doing great. Thanks for having me on the show. Now, you're, you're, you're in the middle of a, a tour date right now. You did a show last night? Yes. And you do a show and tomorrow? We, uh, do another show tomorrow. We, and we have a day off today, so this is, a, this is a bit of a rest day, but we traveled eight hours to get here. And uh, I just woke up a few minutes ago. <laughs> Well, so, look, forgive me for, oh my God, what's going on? <laughs> well, look, I thank you so much for giving me some time on your day off because I know, I know you need that. You need that day of rest. We do. Doesn't everyone. <laughs> Let me, before we get into why you're here today, I want to ask you this, since we're talking about touring, you've been doing this for over 50 years. You've seen everything there is to possibly see across the U.S., what do you do on your down days to keep yourself busy? Well, um, as basic as it might seem, I practice my horn, and uh, which is something I, that I have to do every day. And uh, amazingly enough, it keeps getting better because I do that. So uh, I try not to stop and uh, you know take time off thinking that, well, don't worry, it'll be there tomorrow. Because uh, I, I want to improve on this and not just sort of stay status quo. And physically, as a, as a gentleman your age, what do you have to do to maintain, other than practicing, is there anything else you need to do health-wise with your breathing and, and all that kind of stuff? Because, like, you know, if you're the lead singer, you could sing in the lower register. If you're the guitar player or bass player, you could sit in a stool. But the Chicago horns, you guys have to be on point every single night. It has to sound exactly the way we remember it. Well, that's that's why I say I have to uh, practice every day, and I start very softly, just that first note, getting the first note correct, and then expanding from there with all the different exercises. And you know, it takes a few hours on a on a day off. On on a show day, it takes less time, just to get it moving, and then yep. go blow my brains out at the show. <laughs> and, I, and I assume uh, I assume no smoking or anything like that in your uh, in your lifestyle. I have not smoked since uh, uh, ninety one. All right, that's great. For quite a while. That's yeah. great. Thirty years. I haven't had any drinks or drugs since eighty one. So, well, the both of these things are probably the reason that I'm able to talk to you today. Exactly. <laughs> I'd be you know like six feet under, I believe. <laughs> All right, <laughs> Lee. On September 10th, Rhino Records is going to release a 16-CD deluxe edition box set. We're calling it Chicago at Carnegie Hall Complete. Complete. This is every single show you guys recorded in, uh, in 1971 between April 5th and 
I think April 10th. Eight yeah, shows. Six shows, six days, eight shows. Wow. That's yeah. amazing. And is this something that you always wanted to eventually come out? I, I had no idea that this would ever be possible. Uh, Rhino Records owns the, uh, the masters mm -hmm. and they suggested to the engineer, Tim Jessup, that uh, uh, he asked if he would be able to maybe um, pull the project together. They had 41 tapes that they took from the tape form, two inch tape and, and uh, uh, converted it to digital tape, sent all 41 to Tim and he started one at a time uh, taking the 60 cycle hum on 41 tapes, just the, the hum by itself wow. off the tape one at a time. And then the next step was whatever sound was next. There was not only the 60 cycle hums, but various other noises that were on the, each tape uh, that he had to do one at a time. It took, it took a couple months just to get to the point where we could hear the actual music. And then we started editing. Okay, and uh, you know, getting the the ambience because when you sit in Carnegie Hall, it was built for uh, classical music, and uh, you know you play very softly, and you can hear it in the other side of the at the the other end of the hall, and uh, but when you play rock and roll music, you can probably still hear some of those notes that we played in '71 today. <laughs> walk in there, they bounce around forever, and uh, so in other words, that that's ambience. You have to get into each instrument one at a time, pull it up on your screen and take the, the ambience before the note and after the note and, and delete that. Wow. So by the time you get finished with the trumpet and the trombone and the saxophone and the, every vocal, uh, you have more control over how much Carnegie Hall you want to put in. <laughs> but you, you, we ended up, making it sound and feel like you're sitting in the Hawk Carnegie hall, uh, listening to the show. Well, I've been lucky enough to be listening to it for the past couple of days. Once oh, I you have it. Well, once I scheduled this interview with, with you, they sent me a, a stream. So I've been listening uh, with headphones and the computer and it's, uh, it's amazing. I mean, it's, it's incredible. Now, how involved were you personally with this project? I did a lot of editing. I became uh, Tim's second engineer. Nice. As well as the producer. I didn't, I had no idea I'd be the producer either because they, they really approached uh, uh, Tim first. Okay. And it happens to be my studio. So I was sitting next to him and I went, Hey, you know, what can I do? You know, I got to get in here because if anybody knows where the body's buried, it's me. <laughs> Once they start listening to the music, I remember, Oh yeah, that's how we used to play this song. This is where, you know, we, we were standing. I remember where we were standing on the stage and all of the other particulars, right? So it, it, um, uh, it, it was just a lot of fun, a labor of love. And uh, we enjoyed, it was like 10 months of work. So it kept me quite busy during the pandemic. Well, the fans are going to enjoy this thing so much. And it's it's great that you, that you put this together and it's finally out there. I'm going to let you in on a secret. I originally, I reached out to see if I could interview Robert about this. Uh -huh. And Robert said, no, that's Lee's project. Lee's the one you got to talk to. So uh, thank you, Robert, for steering me in the right direction because- um, Thank you, Robert. Yeah, because look, it's right now, the guys that are flying the Chicago flag for all these years still are you 
And and do we say Jimmy or do we say James Pankow? What do we call him? I call him Jimmy. All right. I don't know him, but I'll he call him goes, Jimmy he too. By both James, James, Jimmy Pankow. <laughs> and Robert, you get you three have been holding it down for over 50 years. This is yeah. incredible. And yeah. um, I want to tell you this. I was at the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame induction. Okay. I went there. I uh, I finagled my way down to the green room. Well, not to the green room, to the dressing rooms. And uh, and I got to say hi to all you guys. Now, you don't remember that, yeah. but I certainly do. Well, that's great. We spoke, and you guys uh, all you, you guys all signed my uh, Chicago album that night. So it was- right. a, Which it, album did you have? You know what? I brought the greatest hits because I've always loved that cover of you guys falling off the paint scaffolding. And there's a lot of white area, so everyone can sign it. And uh, so that's the one I brought. Well, I was drinking back then. <laughs> well, yeah, you were probably really falling off that scaffolding. I was definitely falling <laughs> off. So that night was a thrill. Uh, first of all, my favorite band of all time is Cheap Trick. And, uh-huh. and then I love Chicago. So, you know, Chicago's Illinois represented that night. And then to right. see Deep Purple and Steve Miller. I mean, it was just what a great night for you guys. I was so excited. And you are... Uh, are you the most emotional person in the band, Lee? Because you seem to get... I'm the crybaby of the group, yes. You, you seem to get... And look, that's how I am too. But yeah, you seem to get uh, choked up pretty quickly. Yes, I do. Yeah. I, it's it's happened all my life. And, and I thought it was just me, but uh, I, uh, my youngest brother is the same. Yeah. Uh, it, he admitted it to me. Uh, I God, I forget when, but he said, you know, he said, I, I can relate to that very easily because I do the same thing yeah. in movies and, you know, wherever it is. It's just my, my son is uh, my my youngest son, uh, Lee David. Uh, he's always. Are you crying? <laughs> yeah, I mean, that's how my older brother is, too. We're, we're, I'm like, we're, we're all like that. It's it's um, yeah. it's uh, it's ridiculous because I'll see like some sad story on the news and I don't cry when I'm watching the story, but then my wife comes home and as I'm telling her the story, I can't, yes. get, I can't get through it. I cannot yeah, get through it. I understand perfectly. But, um, but I like that. We're like that. I like it. Yeah. I want I to be too. like, I don't want to hold everything in. I don't, I don't want to hold everything in, but as it's happening, I'm going to myself. Why am I crying? Right. <laughs> I don't, I want to be able to speak this right now and not cry. Right. I want to be able to tell yeah. you this and then I can't do it. Um, <laughs> let me ask you about the, uh, the Carnegie hall shows. When you were listening back to these tapes, can you, as the creator of this music, can you hear a difference between make me smile on night one and make me smile on night four? Pretty much 
they're very similar mm-hmm. from one night to the next as we were playing it at that time. Yeah. Uh, the song itself has not changed the note in since its inception, since Jimmy wrote it. And he was still writing it while we were recording in the studio. Wow. In 69 or 68, I guess we recorded it. And, uh, oh no, I'm sorry. That one was probably uh, 69 or 70 that we recorded mm-hmm. make, uh, 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 the ballet. Because it was a 14-minute piece that he was still putting the puzzle pieces together as we were in the studio. So we were all trying to keep up with all of the different changes that the song has within it. And uh, it was uh, was difficult then to play it, and it hasn't changed one bit. It is is equally as difficult Difficult. today as it was then. Uh, As you're listening back to these tapes, how long in did did you say to yourself, you know what? We were pretty damn good. I, it amazed me yeah. when I kept listening to it and go, man, you know, Peter Cetera is a great bass player, great voice. Uh, you know, I played pretty consistently. I can't believe I, I played this consistently. I mean, people have said that to me before. You know, I'm, I'm, I'm my own worst critic. <laughs> and uh, so, uh, but I got to hear right in front of me that we were pretty damn good. And, uh, yeah. you know, we just went out and let it all hang out, young kids. And we were still learning how to play ourselves. Yeah, you were babies. You, I think you were maybe, well, you were 23 when uh, Chicago Transit Authority came out. So you're, I don't know, 25, 26 at Carnegie I Hall? Was, I was probably 21, I think, uh, or 22. Okay. So, uh, 24. All right, 24. Yeah. Still a baby, though. I mean, if you know 24s nowadays... That's <laughs> that's right. When you're I that thought, age, well, at, when you're that age, you think you're growing up, right? You know, and then you you look back on it in retrospect, and you go, ah, maybe not so much. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> uh, I want to touch on something you just said about uh, Peter's bass playing. I think that gets lost a lot because of the way Peter's uh, career went in his solo career. People forget that he was a great bass player because. Um, you couldn't well, not. He, actually, he would stop playing bass when we started doing the 16 and 17. Yeah, yeah. He would actually concentrate on his vocals so much that he just, he'd stop playing stop the bass. Stop doing it. You but, can't stop. You, no. We got to have a bass. Yeah. So I started playing. Oh my gosh. This is my son. I have to decline. <laughs> oh, oh I'm, I'm touching my screen like it's a touch screen. <laughs> i've done that too that's okay you were totally cool but um the phone i can touch the screen right not the computer no but yeah p i mean you you couldn't be in the band chicago and not be a great musician so i I think peter's bass player playing people forget about it so i'm glad that you uh, touched on that briefly when you guys played when you guys were asked to play carnegie hall even though you had had successful albums uh prior to that was that something to where you thought, hey, I think we made it? Uh, I, I'm i not sure when we started thinking that we made it. Mm-hmm. We, were, we were so busy working all the time. Uh, making it or not making it really didn't enter our minds all that much. Gotcha. We were busy traveling from one place to the next and doing the next show. And um, I, I practiced back then, but I, I didn't have the same type of focus in practice that I do now. 
the, 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 the focus that I have now is really improving my playing. Gotcha. Whereas back then, I think the things that I was doing, it was just sort of keeping me up and, you know, I'll make it. No, I think I can. I think I can. Yeah. Uh, probably playing Carnegie Hall, though, that was something for your parents to grab onto. They could. They were probably very proud of uh, of that they run were, of concerts. They had started thinking that we made it by then. There you go. There you <laughs> they go. They were accepting the fact that I was going to do this for a living, and I was actually successful at it. Did, <laughs> did you guys ever go back to Carnegie Hall and play there since then? Uh, no. I don't think we've ever been back there. Is that something you would entertain or, or would that make it not special if you went back and did it now? I don't know. It'd be pretty special. Any gig is pretty special. To be <laughs> That's true. All this time later. That's true. Yeah. Are, you, are you still surprised that you guys um, pack the house? I mean, every time I see you here in LA, it's, it's packed. And I assume yeah. that's how it is all over the country. My family lives in Pennsylvania and my sister's seen you many times at various venues in Pennsylvania. And she tells me it's always jammed. The shows get pretty well jammed and it yeah. amazes me that we're still able to do that. The thing that amazes me the most is that they still want to hear the same songs that put us on the map before. I mean, there's something that generates a response no matter what age group it is. Yeah. They, they like those songs and uh, it, they feel it. I can feel it. They're, they're, feel it. <laughs> they're timeless classics that might sound cheesy but it's true <laughs> i mean if you go to a wedding you're going to hear a chicago song um yeah. it, it might be the song the bride and groom dance to i mean right. it's right. just it's everywhere it's on classic rock radio it's on adult contemporary radio it's 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 everywhere and you guys have been doing it for so many decades that if there's an all 70s station or 80s station or 90s station you yeah. guys you guys are in every format as far as i'm concerned yeah I've never had to get a job, so that's pretty cool. <laughs> you have you have a job. You definitely have a job. What makes a life a good one? Is it the adventure you have? Or the friends you find along the way? Maybe it's pursuing your passion while striving to protect, defend, and save what you believe in every single day. So, what makes a life a good one? In the Coast Guard, we think it's all of the above and more. But you'll have to find out for yourself. Visit GoCoastGuard.com to learn more. Let me ask you about, in 2017, uh, Walt Parazader, he retires from the band. Now, yeah. many members have come and gone, you know, Peter, Jason, Tris. I mean, many members. You guys are an ever-changing you know, changing group of people. But... You, Walt, and Jimmy were the horns. You guys, right. you know. I, I think he actually retired quite a bit before that. But okay, that, that okay. <laughs> but you guys, you guys are like you're you're the Chicago horns. You're you're yeah. so linked together. How difficult was that for you when Walt uh, decided to step away, and and you now and you have to play with someone well, else? It was, it was coming. Mm -hmm. it, it was it was on its way because Walt was. Uh, he started to have some health problems mm -hmm. that we knew eventually would, would take him away from us. I mean, not, he's still alive, yes. obviously, but uh, uh, he wasn't going to be able to keep traveling as much. And so we had more and more often, we had a substitute coming in for him. And now Ray Herman has been with us, I think 17 years already. Right. And Ray's fantastic. Ray is incredible. Yeah. And uh, he has become, you know, 
part of the horn section. Mm-hmm. The current set list for this tour is massive. You guys are playing 30 songs. That's <laughs> yeah, it takes two, two and a half hours to do the show. I mean, that's, uh, that's great for the fans. That's great for the, the, the ticket holder. They're getting, they're getting their money's worth. You guys yeah. must be exhausted after a 30 song set. You get tired, but that's what we do. <laughs> right. Well, I mean, what else should we do? The, you, if you play too little, people are going to complain that they did not. <laughs> that, that's move. true. That's true. If you so play 15 I'd songs. Them, I'd rather give them more than they expect. How do you guys put together a set list? I mean, 25 studio albums, I believe. How do you do it? Yeah. It is. There are certain songs that uh, you being a fan understand that we can't get out of there without you demanding that we play them. <laughs> you, you, you have to play 25 or six, two, four. We got to play you, you 25. Have to. We, we have to play uh, what hard to say. I'm sorry. Yep. Uh, inspiration mm-hmm. beginnings. Yep. Uh, does anybody really know what time it is? Um, searching. I mean, it, you, I can go on and uh, just you and me. Yeah. Uh, uh, make me smile. And, and make me smile. Col- yeah. Color my world. Me. I mean, it's a never ending list. Me. Yeah, exactly. And all, and, and both of those songs are incorporated in the ballet. Right. Make me smile and color my world. As time goes on, I realize just what you mean to me, and now, now that you're here. I mean, Jimmy had no idea that he'd have two hits out of the one, the one piece. 
I know. And that's we, pretty cool. We were incensed that they wanted to uh, uh, edit our music back in the day, you know, and, and then you finally realize that those are the advertisements for the band. That's right. Boy, that's- thank you. <laughs> <laughs> Who's in charge of picking the set list? I mean, once you pick, um, you know, these, the songs that you must play, how do you fill out uh, with some uh, rarities or deep cuts? Who, who chooses those? Is it by committee? It, it, Robert does a lot of it. And then he, you know, he shows it to me and Jimmy and said, you know, do you guys agree with this? Peter Chivarelli gets involved mm-hmm. with the set, our, our, our uh, manager. Okay. And uh, uh, he is the only manager who is always hands on. He, he wants to be involved not wants to, he just can't, he can, he's compelled. <laughs> he can't not do it. Yeah. He cannot not do it. Yeah. So he's, he's always around and uh, we decide on the set and, and then we adjust it as we go through and see what works and what doesn't work. And, how and long- we've done it for so long that, that, you know, you, you want to start out strong and then bring it down a little mm-hmm. bit and, you know, the ebb and flow of, of a show. Yeah. And uh, by the time we get to the end of the first set, you want to end on a high note. And same thing with the second set. The construction is pretty much the same. It's uh, it's almost by the end of the second set. You got to be really, you know, have hopefully have everybody on their feet. Because if you're not, you know, I don't know what do we do? Are we change <laughs> this? <laughs> it's uh, it's uh, devising the set list. It sounds like it's almost like sequencing an album to make sure that it exactly. flows the way it should flow. And as sequencing an album in the day was quite different than it is now, because you can just push a button and their sequencing is pretty much out the window. Yeah. It's, you know, the people I think play the first song and if they don't like that one, they move on to the next album. I know it's sad. It's sad that that's how people listen now. Yeah. I don't, I don't listen like that. I'm, I'm still, I'm an older gentleman, but, uh, but yeah, it's sad. (laughs) Uh, you and me both. Yeah. <laughs> what What's the most fun song for you to play live? Is there one that when that's coming up, you're like, oh, I love it. This is this is the one. I've always liked beginnings. Uh, Jimmy and I have solos, uh, you know, later on in the song, but I've always liked the construction of beginnings. They're oldie but a goodie. Beginnings. fun cool and now the the flip side of that uh question would be what's the most challenging song as a trumpet player that you have to play on a nightly basis uh the ballet is very challenging um and um because there's that whole classical section in between make me smile color my world and then uh, make me some mild reprise Thank you. 
there's all the da 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 da, very you know light and airy. And uh, after playing a few other songs before that, the light and airy is a little more difficult sometimes, depending on if we're outdoors, if the stage is really loud and blurry. You know, <laughs> right. you have to act like that's not happening. Yeah, you know, just got to get through it. it. Play it very softly with the light touch. <laughs> Yeah. It's, uh, it's sometimes challenging, but but the ballet is probably is one of the most difficult songs. Um, there's stuff toward the end, like uh, uh, the getaway yeah. at, the, at the end of Hard to Say I'm Sorry. That's, you know, it's a lot of fun. Yeah, that's you know? so fun. Getaway is so fun. Difficult, but, but you make it less difficult by, you know, knowing what to expect and, and getting in there and just going, baby. All right. Uh, explain, explain songwriting credits to me, because I feel like the, the horn players from Chicago should have a songwriting credit on every song because... You've been talking to Jimmy. <laughs> you, you know what I mean? Like someone writes a song, they write the melody, they write the lyrics, but then right. they're not writing the horn parts. I mean, I mean, I don't believe they are. I, I, right. I, don't, I don't know if Terry and Robert and, and, and Peter wrote the horn parts. They probably just yeah. turned to you guys and said, yeah, we need some horns in here. And you guys. Well, Robert many times has ideas for uh -huh. horns and then, uh, and then Jimmy will sit down and transcribe them. Okay. Uh, uh, but, uh, for the most part, yeah, Jimmy comes up with with uh, brass lines that that change the scope of the tune, you know. And and uh, in some cases, he probably should get writing credit, mm -hmm. but arrangers typically do not. Okay, so in, that falls under the category of arranging. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I don't want to start a fight, but it kind of sounds like a ripoff. <laughs> <laughs> well, the fights have occurred already. Okay, so. the fights are the fights are over we and had done. Them, we're over them. <laughs> <laughs> the fights are over and done. Lee, let me talk about you as a, as a singer, because let's go back to Chicago seven song of the evergreens written right. by, written by Terry Kath, who's a great vocalist. Right. But he wants you to sing the song. He asks you to sing it. He asked me to sing. it. Listen to the briskly whistling winter evergreen. Whispering through the frozen morning light And tell me what's to come
And then, uh, you know, once I got out there on the microphone, it was, that's, that's the true litmus test, right? Yeah. You know, if it doesn't work, you can tell in the first few bars. And it's, yank this guy out of the <laughs> studio. Come on, get out of here. And, but it started working out. And then, uh, you know, first you get the sound and then you, you know, you work on the technique and, and uh, put a vocal together. Yeah, I mean, there's a lot of vocalists in the band, so yeah, for you to step up and want to and and sing and Terry want you to sing a song, that's pretty cool. And it was great. Uh, and then you're out of your element, so then, like you said, you really got to work hard to prove yourself. Exactly. And exactly. Uh, because and these guys have been pretty successful all the way. This is yeah, they've had some uh, a little album. little bit of success. <laughs> yeah. um, then Chicago Ten together again, written and sung by you. Another yes. great, another good song. Your voice is a higher register on these albums. It is? Yeah. Then, I, then what I am now, you mean? Well, all of our voices change, but I'm saying I was, I was, uh, I, I was, uh, I was shocked when I checked the liner uh, notes and I was like, oh, that's Lee singing. I didn't, uh-huh. um, I didn't, I didn't know it was you until I checked the liner notes. So. Right. Yeah. yeah. I have my, the, the tenor of my voice is more uh, consistent with what, uh, Terry's was yeah. Uh, I, I sound more like Terry than than anyone else in the band, I guess. Uh, speaking of Terry, how important was it to have uh, Michelle at the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame to accept on behalf of her dad? It was great to see her again, and uh, 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 you know, uh, I I was surprised to see her come up on the stage uh, a- accepting for him. But you know, here we were, there she was, and uh, I think she did a good job. Yeah, she she's been on the show. She was on many many years ago when her documentary came out about Terry, and she's uh, right. Yeah, she's great. She has a, she has a, a great energy. Um, you should have asked me. I already knew where the guitar was. <laughs> did, you, did you really know? I did know. It was with her parents. Yeah, they were like it was like they were hiding them. <laughs> they were Terry's parents. Yeah. yeah, these things were hidden like in the closets. It's crazy. <laughs> um, on the album Hot Street, she co-wrote "No Tell Lover," which was a which was a a hit of some note. Lady, you're my love, tell lover. Ooh. Everyone keeps telling me 
Ooh. So that must have been fun when you're uh, you get a writing credit on a song that uh, people are singing. Yes, I uh, well, I wrote the uh, the the chords, mm-hmm. the changes. Uh, Danny wrote the uh, lyric, and uh, Peter wrote the melody. How does it work when you guys are making an album back in the day and everyone's bringing songs to the table? You really have to. Uh, uh, I mean, you you got to put your ego aside, right? Because eventually, someone's song isn't going to make it on the album. Unfortunately, the ego does not get put aside because you're so close to the song. And, you know, so you would prefer that your song be on there. And uh, uh, when it is, you know, you just you move ahead and try to make it the best you can possibly make it. Yeah. And uh, if it's not, you sort of grumble for a while and then move on because that's life. Are you uh, were you able to listen to all the songs that were brought to the table and then say to yourself, yeah, my song might not be the best one. No, you were not never able to say that. <laughs> I like it. I like that. I like that. This is look, that's why you're successful. I guess you get, you, you got to have a competition. You, you got to I mean, have a competition. I mean, look at Lennon and McCartney, all the stories you're hearing about them now. right? Uh, oh yeah. I got a better one. I got a better one. I got Penny Lane was just down the street. <laughs> that's not just the sound of that first sip of morning Joe. It's the sound of someone shopping for a car on Carvana from the comfort of home. That's a good blend. It's time to take it easy, like answering some easy questions to get pre-qualified for a car in minutes. Talk about starting the morning right. Just like customizing your terms so your car fits your budget. Mm, mm, mm. Visit Carvana.com or download the app to experience car shopping the way it should be. Convenient. Comfortable. Ah. Uh, most recently, it was, I, I can't even, this number is ridiculous to me. Chicago 36, col- <laughs> colon, now, uh, you wrote a song, America, sung by uh, Lou Pardini. Right, yeah. And you also yeah, did. Uh, Congress hasn't changed much from that day, have <laughs> No, <laughs> nothing, nothing, sadly, nothing's changing, uh, Right. Yeah, nothing's changing. That's the thing. Politically, you write a political song. You can, it could be from 1862 yeah. and it's the same. Yeah. I mean, uh, Buffalo Springfield for what it's worth. I mean, it's still, it's still relevant today. Right. Also, you do co-lead vocals on the, uh, Chicago 36 now album with Robert Lamb on something's uh, coming. I know. It's time for you to lose that cynical suit now You want it out and man it just it don't fit you no more And don't you try to deceive me You know that you can believe me If you're mad enough you're gonna hear the bitter truth so won't you come on? Something's coming, I know. Something coming, it show. Something coming, I know. So you're still uh, you're still getting your voice out there on the records, which is good. Right. I get my voice voice out there on the records and I sing color my world uh, during the show. Yeah, no? that's right. That's yeah. right. Um, here's a rumor that I heard uh, back at the time when, when Peter left and before you guys got um, Jason was Richard page ever considered as a replacement for Peter? 
Richard Page from Mr. Mister? He considered himself uh, a, <laughs> a, a candidate. Okay. And, uh, but it, it would have been great. But he, he, I think he used that, um, that element to help him get a better deal with, uh, with uh, Starship. Gotcha. Gotcha. But, I don't know. Was that true, Richard? No. <laughs> I don't know. That's just a rumor I'd always heard, and I, I've never been able to ask uh, right. someone in the know. But so. no, he wasn't. He wasn't a uh, 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 consideration mm-hmm. at the at the time. Not seriously, because we we knew he was with them. When you guys are uh, when you're not on the road, because you guys see you spend so much time together, you see each other every day when you're on the road. When you guys right. aren't on the road, do you still check in with each other? Not that often. Mm-hmm. Once in a while, uh, you know, because we have our families, we go back home and, and hang with the family. And, uh, you know, I built a studio in the, in the pan during the pandemic while I was doing the Carnegie hall project. All right. So, uh, you know, we, we all keep quite busy with whatever our lives are doing at the time. Sure. When you, when you are traveling on the road, who's your closest, uh, companion. Can I say that, uh, out, out of all the band members, uh, new and past and present and new and everyone, who do you hang out with most on the road? You know, it's amazing that that we don't hang out a lot, even on the road. Even we, on the we road, play the shows. We we uh, I mean, guys, during the day, that nobody wants to bother anybody's sleep patterns, right? Right. Yeah. So you hesitate to call someone, and then you get up and you might see someone as you go out and take a walk around the around the city, which you know, see where am I? You know, and you go out and find out. And and I don't even go out that much. I I sit and, and watch. Uh, Netflix and then warm up my horn and, right. you know, get myself together. And on a day off, I, I like to rest. Yeah, I really do. Today I I'm invited out to uh, uh, one of the guys lives, one of the crew guys lives out in the country only a couple hours away. So I think there's a, a, a get together going on. I'm going to go out there for a couple hours. That's fun. That's and, cool. Yeah. That'll be great. Let me tell talk about Keith Howland. You guys had, uh, yes. you guys went through many guitar players after uh, Terry passed, and mm-hmm. finally you got Keith, and he's been with you guys for I, I, eons, eons, more than most bands are together. Um, <laughs> when when he's playing something, when sometimes when you're on stage and he's playing and you don't see him but you just hear him, do you think of Terry? Yes, because he emulates uh, what Terry did, and yes. he puts his own his own style in it. But right. uh, yeah, he was he was very uh, uh, he. You can tell he listened to Terry over and over and over and over and over again, and uh, uh, it was it was apparent from the beginning. And he hasn't really changed from that. He's he really pulls it off every night. Yeah, I really feel like the original Chicago band. No one is replaceable but you have been able to get touring players that are doing justice to the music. Really, they really are, amazing. And, and they went from fans to members. Yes. You know, themselves. And you know, it's, and we try not to tell them, um, you, you know, you don't have to play this exactly like we did. The same uh, song is going to happen. And these are the notes that you play in the process of completing that song. But Put your own personality in. and try to encourage that. And that's great because you just don't want to be an imitator. You want to put your own, uh, you know, flourishes in there. And um, exactly, because you can tell the difference. You can. Yeah. Somebody's phoning it in. Exactly. 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 Right. Yeah. Um, 
Lee, I wish you guys great success, uh, you know, with, with the tour, you guys staying safe out there. You guys taking as many precautions as you can. We are staying safe. And you know what people at the show, I haven't heard one negative comment or, uh, uh, anything about, Oh my God, we got COVID from one show. We've Good. done a lot of shows. Now we started back in, uh, uh, June. Was it June? Yeah, April, May, June. Yeah, June 23rd. Yeah. In, uh, in Lincoln, Nebraska. And we've gone from one side of the country to the other. And people are excited and happy to be with each other, to be listening to music and, uh, you know, good music, what, what they consider good music. And they're coming to see you. Right, <laughs> right. <laughs> Which amazes me that we're able to do this, this this much time. And it's a testament, like you said, to these songs that just keep working through the years. It doesn't yeah. matter what year it is. The song still works. It's uh, so much fun to do it. It's, it's amazing. And I would tell people, if you've never seen Chicago, first of all, what are you waiting for? And second of all, <laughs> and second of all, this band does not phone it in. No. And I'm, and I'm, and look, Robert, Jimmy Lee, these guys are, are the veterans of the band and they're not phoning it in. And if they're not, then no one else below them better. So right. you go to see this band, you're going to hear all the songs you love and, and you're just, you're going to, you're going to drive home feeling great. I mean, that's right. the kind of a show it is. That's the kind of music it is. And you can see it on your faces up there. Everyone's smiling and having a good time. <laughs> I don't know what happened during the day, but when you're on the stage for that two and a half hours, it's, it's joyful. Correct. Yep. It's a lot of fun. And, uh, I'm very proud and happy that I'm able to do it. And we're happy that you guys are still doing it. So again, best of luck on the release of Chicago at Carnegie Hall complete 50th anniversary collection, 16 CDs comes out <laughs> September 10th. You can pre-order it right now on the Reiner website. You can go to Chicago, You can go to Twitter at Chicago, the band and Instagram at Chicago, the band and Lee, if you were to choose one song from your entire career that I can use as a playout song for this episode, what would you pick? Let's do 25 or six to four. We always end the show with that. And should I do a, should I do a live version from the new set? Sure. Why not? Which night? Any night? Night one. Night one. All right. Perfect. Lee, <laughs> thank you so much. I really enjoyed uh, talking with you and I can't wait thank to you. see you guys when you come through California. Can't wait to see you. Take care, Lee. Bye-bye. Bye-bye.
All right, we're done recording, Lee, but thanks a okay. lot. I really appreciated this. All right, thank you very much. This was a pleasure. Thank you. Jimmy Pancock, John Bone, and Lee Lockney, trumpet. Thank you.